Hello, welcome to the State of Being podcast show. It's been a hot minute. I am Michelle Saya, your host, and today I am so excited to introduce you to Winter Clark. Winter is an intuitive and the creator of the Soul Call Method, a certification program helping intuitives learn new modalities to elevate their practices and break new ground in wellness for healing to unfold. In today's episode, we talk about her shamanic lineage and how her own intuitive abilities developed growing up in a household where both her mother and grandmother welcomed her gifts to develop. We also talk about what the role of a shaman looks like in today's society and Winter's journey in helping others awaken their intuitive gifts. I really am excited for you to listen to this episode and I hope you enjoy it. My name is Winter Clark, and I'm a third-generation intuitive master Reiki healer, and I'm a spiritual life coach with a practice under the name of So-Call Coaching. And what I do is a mixture of channel guidance and master energy healing, helping people navigate major choices, transitions, and shifts in their lives as they're seeking greater clarity and moving closer in alignment to what it is that they truly want. I love that. So poetic and beautifully spoken. And talking a little bit about your family lineage and how it's influenced your spiritual upbringing, can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Absolutely. So I was really blessed in that two things with the lineage that I have in terms of my mother, my grandmother, Um, their intuitive abilities passed down to me, but also in that with religion in our household, it was very fluid, it was very open. In fact, we were encouraged to go explore as many religions as possible (laughs) to see what we liked. So um, we, and I know that my brother has some abilities as well. Um, We uh, had this experience of watching gifts unfold for each one of us and then when those gifts were were brought up for discussion it wasn't um shunned or shut down or anything like that it was just like oh that's normal (laughs) like that just happens to me like all the time and um so very very lucky in that regard and then with the openness and fluidity of being able to explore different religions my mother was actually raised jewish so that's kind of like our default (laughs) Um, and I, I'm pretty sure my, my father was raised, I want to say like Baptist, but, um, they were kind of like doing their own thing. And when we started asking questions about, because many of our friends, um, either went to church or to synagogue, my mother was just like, go try it out and see how you like it. (laughs) So he did. And I kind of turned it into like this little exploratory mission where I tried it all. Like. I think with the exception of a mosque, I didn't go to a mosque, but um, I tried different kinds of churches. I went to synagogues and I asked lots of questions, which were not always met <laughs> with, with joy. Sometimes it's like, you know, um, I was told like, well, it's just how it is, or you just have to accept it. And I'm like, but that doesn't, I, no. <laughs> and then they would politely ask me to leave. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah, yeah. So I was 
growing frustrated from the process in that I didn't understand why my curiosity was in these institutions what wasn't embraced. So I would come back to my mother and she's like, so what'd you think? <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, no, I, <laughs> none of them felt right. No one can answer my questions. And like, I just want to go play out in the backyard and like chill with the animals. <laughs> and um, she's like, cool. Um, she's like, all you need to know is that God is love and love is in your heart. Mm-hmm. And she just made it really simple. And I'm like, I can get down with that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I am definitely with you on the a similar upbringing in that my parents didn't necessarily force me to practice a specific religion. Mom's Buddhist. Dad was raised Christian and then ended up practice Buddhism as well. But they were like, as long as you're not going out there stealing and hurting people, like you're cool, just just chill, like just relax. So I love that. <laughs> I love that. And I also wanted to ask you about your book, Goddess Grows Up, You Are the Gift. I love that title. Can you tell me the inspiration behind what led you to write that book? Thank you. It, it was funny. It kind of... Um it took me a little while to arrive at that title because there's so many things one goes through when writing a book from like, um, who am I to even write something and put it out there to um, not wanting it to seem like as an egotistical thing because it wasn't at all. But what, what led me to, to put it together was seeing how different my upbringing was and how in, embraced my abilities were. And after having talked to so many people, um, both friends as well as like clients and realizing like, whoa, like this is not the same experience across the board. Like so many people had experiences with some form of ability at a very young age and were either scared to talk about it or they were like shut down in some way were like, it's mm. not normal, <laughs> you know? Mm. Um, and so I was just like, okay, I need to normalize this. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Um, so I put it together and I, I figured the most helpful way would, would show like, as an example, like my own life, well, this is what happened to me. Mm. And to show like all of the um, situations from like the light to the dark, because they both, happen and um i know there are people out there who's like no stay in the light i'm like it's light and dark like you, it's yin and yang like you have to have both um and it's important that i i almost didn't do it but i'm like no it's important to put it in the book because people who want to be more in touch with their abilities they have to know it's not all going to be like sparkles and light like it's just not but also at the same time to know why, why it's not going to be like that. And it's because it's a, a, a learning and a growth experience to have both. And um, so I put all those things in there, like the fun and the, the kind of scary stuff too. And um, at the end, just provided like a series of tools that people could use to further explore and connect with their own abilities. Mm. Yeah. 
And um, yeah. with the title Goddess Grows Up, that's kind of a throwback to um, a part of the book where my mother taught me the goddess chant. Mm. Um, and it's Isis uh, Ashtate Hekati Demeter Diana. Wait. They're not letting me do it. Okay, fine. <laughs> Sorry, my guys are like, no, no, no. <laughs> Give me one second, Winter. Um, for- Oh, sorry, Winter. Um, I can still, uh, your f- audio is still coming through and I will edit this part out. Don't worry. But for some reason, my headphones automatically just stopped working again. I really think there's something oh, going sure. on this week. So let me just change my headset real quick and move into something else. But your voice is still coming through the recording. So give me one second. I apologize. Okay. Sure, no problem. Thank you. Right back. Alrighty. Okay. Can you say something real quick to make sure I can hear you? Yes, of course. Okay, perfect. I can hear you. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yes, I can hear you. Okay, awesome. I apologize for that. I don't know what happened right there. Okay, so you were talking about the goddess chant. Can you kind of repeat that and then we'll continue? Thank you. Yes. So um, the goddess chant is where the title of the book came from. So it's a chant that my mother taught me when I was like around the age of 12 or 13. And it has the the names of like eight to 10 goddesses in it, but it's in like a way as a song where you can remember it. And um, I was starting to do it before and they, and my guide scrambled it. Let me see if I could do it again. Okay. So when um, she would teach me the names of these goddesses, but she didn't tell me what it was for. Mm. She was just like, oh, I have a little song for you. <laughs> and we would sing it together like on the way to school sometimes. So um, late, much, much later, I realized, I was like, wait a minute. She taught me something <laughs> mm. that's a tool. And it ended up being a tool in which um, when you sing their names, they're invoked, like you're calling them in. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was just like, oh. And so with the name Goddess Grows Up, it was kind of like this idea of this little baby goddess, like finding her way <laughs> towards like adulthood and figuring it all out and like piecing it all together and be like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I love that. I know. I know three people in my life right now that I know I can get this book for them for Christmas. Like they, this is something that they want in their life. Um, in our little social group, we call it a goddess training and everything that you mentioned, like the baby goddess going through life. I think that's so beautiful. And there's something so pure and poetic about it. Um, and I also wanted to touch base on you're talking about in the book, you're not only talking about the joy and the light, you're also talking about the dark aspects 
And I'm really fascinated by that. Can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what are some of the topics that are in the book that talks about the more darker aspects of life and what that means to you? Okay, so when the darker aspects or the shadows come in, um, what it symbolizes to me are tests, they're challenges that need to be faced. Um, You can't avoid them. (laughs) And like everyone handles challenges differently, right? So the times that shadows have come up for me, it's usually when in the past when my abilities have been expanding and I'm just like, Ooh, this is fun. Like I could do this now. (laughs) Um, Then something will come along to like test me. So um, one, and a lot of it has happened for me um, in dream time. And the re I feel like the reason why it happens in dream time is because that's when we're at our most vulnerable. We're asleep, we're chilling, like we're having all these dreams and all of a sudden like it takes a left turn and like we find ourselves like in a nightmare with this creature and like what's going on, you know? Um, Our defenses are down when we sleep and we, a lot of us tend to um, lucid dream or astral project where we're going to other dimensions and timelines. So our energy like travels. So it's a vulnerable time. And um, those are the times when I've encountered um, shadow energy. So the first time it happened was after I got into the hang of lucid dreaming. And that's just when you're super aware of everything happening in the dream. Like you can touch, taste, feel, smell, like you have all your senses in it. And um, after you get used to the lucid dreaming stage, the next stage is astral projection. And for me, um, there's two parts to that. The first part is when you're in the dream, you're dreaming that you wake up, but you're not really awake, but you're in your room. Like everything is familiar. So that's the dream room. That's stage one. And then when I see that, I'm like, okay, I'm about to go somewhere. Like, I know I'm going to leave. <laughs> and it, yeah, I know. Cause it's like the, the sign, like, okay, you're here now, but you're about, your energy is about to go somewhere. And I'm like, all right, you know, let's see where I'm going this time. And I never have control over it really. Like I'm, I'm always pulled to a place where I, some work needs to be done. They need my assistance or something. And the portal will almost always be a closet a mirror which is why it's important to cover your mirrors with a piece of fabric if you have one in your bedroom. yes I tell everyone that I know about this they're like what but yes I'm glad we're on the same page with this please continue I'm excited yes I'm all about this right now I can't even when I was at Panama there was a mirror and I forgot to cover it and um someone we had recently met their energy came through the mirror they paid a visit and I'm just like crap we have to cover it tomorrow night like yes. shut the door. Yes. Um, so closets are portals, mirrors are portals. Um, sometimes even electronics can be portals, which is why it's not great to have a TV in the room, but unplug it just so that it's not electronically charged, even when it's still off. Um, and bathrooms also can be mm-hmm. portals. So um, these are vulnerable spaces to be in. And one time after I projected and I came back to the dream bedroom, I knew 
I woke up again and I'm like, I'm about to go someplace else, but I felt something sit on me like mm -hmm. in the dream. And usually there's nothing in that space. So I instinctively just like reached up and like threw it off of my head in the dream onto the floor, but also like trying to like, like kill it, like break its neck. Cause I, I couldn't <laughs> know. Yeah. I just went into like full on like warrior mode and mm -hmm. I saw it on the floor and it looked like a creature I'd never seen before. It was like this um, young boy with antlers mm. and his skin was kind of bluish and he had like um, these like torn trousers like tied with a rope. And I was just like, what the hell is that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it was like a baby pan or something. It was weird. So I was just like, and it looked like it was playing dead. Like it wasn't really. So in the dream room, I have like a, a ceremonial knife or athame that my mom gave me. So I got that and just like started killing it. Cause I'm like, I don't know what this thing is. I don't want to wake up. And I woke up from that feeling so guilty. I'm like, I've never killed anything. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like murdered something in my dream time. And at that time I had a mentor and I contacted them. I'm like, so this thing happened. I don't know if I just made a bad or something. <laughs> And um, he started laughing. He's just like, no. He's like, that was a test. He's like, they're not going to mess with you again. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm it. Like, I'm like, why? Why are they trying? He's like, it's going to happen from time to time. He's like, as your abilities expand, he's like, your light becomes brighter. Mm. And that bright light attracts all sorts of things. Yeah. And so what the things try and do is they basically they want to see if they can scare you. Mm. It's All such they want to do is see yeah. if they can message you and scare you. That's it. It's such an interesting thing. I almost feel like it's synchronistic that you brought this up because I had such an intense dream last night. And your reminder just gave me a light bulb moment. Like that was a test. Last night I went through a test and I was so distraught. Like when I woke up, I was crying and I didn't know what to do and I didn't want to wake up my partner and it felt so real. And it's interesting when you mention um, portals because I remember when I was a kid, I was astro projecting and I wasn't realizing it. And then one trick that I came up with, with a spirit guide. There was always a spirit guide that was kind of mentoring me through deep, these different dream realms. And uh, this, uh, this guide was like, okay, whenever you're ready to leave, just ask for a potato sack, like crawl into a potato sack and you'll be back. You'll, you'll be, you'll be back in your uh, waking life. And I was like, okay. So it was this coping mechanism that I did whenever I was like, you know what? Is this is a little too much? I'm done here. I'm done with this episode. Like, it's time for me to wake up. Like, that's, I would imagine a potato sack appearing and I would crawl through it like a baby goddess. <laughs> and I would wake up. I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm awake now. And it's weird how that happens, like clockwork every time. Every single time there's a potato sack that appears, I wake up. And it's like my portal, a potato sack. I don't know why. Um, but it's interesting that you talk about these portals because I had a family member um, that, that had like five or six mirrors in his bedroom. And the first time I went to visit his house, he's like, okay, I know you're an intuitive. I keep 
having nightmares and night terrors and like I keep having dreams of these different dark entities bothering me and I never get a good night's sleep and so maybe it's a feng shui thing because I'm um, I'm Asian American and um, they believe in feng shui they're like can you feng shui my my bedroom and I was like sure I don't think it's even feng shui but like I don't think it's a feng shui problem but let's go check it out (laughs) I was just like dude you got you shouldn't have these many mirrors in your bedroom like what is it for like even if you just had one it's okay and you can cover cover it with a cloth so like we did a little bit of like renovating that weekend when I was visiting and we took some mirrors out and the ones that he couldn't take out I told him to cover it with like a light bed sheet and ever since then like his nightmares have gone away it just completely disappeared and it's interesting that you said that um, electronics can also be a portal. Um, I think the TV is like a scrying tool almost. Like when you see your reflection, it's almost like a crystal ball. And I told my partner this, and my partner is not that spiritual. Uh, he's not, he's, I believe everyone's on a spiritual journey, but. I know that he acknowledges it, but he's like, all right, you do your thing, Michelle. It's cool. It's cool. Like, sure. Um, And then he was, he's very witty and he was like, Michelle, so you're saying that black screens is a scrying tool, but like you sleep, you fall asleep with your laptop in bed typing all the time. So isn't that a big no-no? And I was just like, you're right. You're right. He's like, yeah, I protect you. I put your laptop away when you fall asleep. I was like, that's sweet. Thank you so much. Um, So I just find it so interesting that we have all of these like physical objects in our waking life that can act as portals. Um, So with that, like, you know, like, thank you so much for writing that book. I'm so intrigued. I'm I re- I'm so inspired to get a couple of copies for myself and some of my friends and family members because I know they're going to love it. And I'm so appreciative that you decided to include the darker aspects in your book. Maybe it's my eighth house and my Scorpio placements talking, but I think it's so necessary. And being on the spiritual journey, it's not always a comforting thing. It can sometimes be very uncomfortable. Um, so with that said, I want to kind of also ask you on what do you define, how do you define what a shaman is and what an empath is? And do these two aspects, do they have a relationship? Is there interconnectedness between these two terms? So my definition of a shaman, um, it's a very, I have to say it's a very loose one because I, I know the traditional meaning of it, of like a medicine man or a medicine woman that practices with um, plant medicine and the spirit world and all of that stuff. Um, like in, you know, like, for example, like Peru or Native Americans and, and whatnot. But um, my definition is much broader than that in that for me, it's someone who works with many different energies, many different realms on many different layers. Uh, and it, it, it extends to that because 
as I've gone through my own process of the work that I do, um, and I know, like, I have so many tools in my bag, like Shamanic Journey, Akashic Records, like, it's just so much that I know how to do um, that multiple times people, like, have, have just, like, picked up on it and they're just like oh you're a shaman aren't you because <laughs> like, mm. it's like I would never call myself that but when other people like see it I'm just like yeah I am and it's because um with the way of being able to use many different um tools and being able to dial into many different realms and dimensions like for me it's like you know, those old fashioned radios that just had the dials. Yeah. Okay. So like when I want to go to a specific, um, energetic space for me, it's just turning a dial and tuning into that. And, um, so for me, the definition of shaman is being able to, uh, reach and work with many different energies and dimensions and realms. Um, an empath, I define an empath as someone who is highly sensitive and picks up on everything in their environments, including people, places, and things. And that includes emotions. That includes like if someone walks into a room, they can sense that something happened there, whether it was recent or like historical, like many years ago, like just being able to sense energies and the connection between those two, between an empath and a shaman is it's a, um, I can see it. It's a, a linear sort of, or even nonlinear can be kind of like a curvy path too, but it's a way of learning how to manage and work with your sensitivities in such a way that you understand how to navigate them in terms of what you're working with. Mm. Does that make sense? That makes complete sense. I think that's very poetically said. And this is a question that I've tried to ask myself many times as well. And I know that there's many different interpretations of it, but I really liked your definition of it. So with that, um, how has being an empath for you helped you in both your I know you don't call yourself a shaman, but how has it helped you in both your shamanic practice and also your personal life? Being, being an empath was very challenging for a long time. Mm. Um, and it was challenging up until the point where I learned how to shield energetically shield because it's it's just overwhelming being like feeling all the things all the time um it was starting to interfere with my sleep too um like being able to fall asleep so once i learned how to shield properly to block a lot of the energies out and only allow in what i wanted to allow in um that was huge but Overall, as a gift, being an empath has been super helpful in just navigating life in general. Just like it's it's like um, your intuition is is turned up higher on the dial when you're an empath. So you know instinctively 
where to go, where not to go, <laughs> who to talk to, who not to talk to. Like, uh, it's a different sensibility um, mm -hmm. that you have. And in terms of how that's helped me on my um, shamanic journey and working with all that, it's helped me in the way of getting to understand what my own energy was like, which was super important because I needed to be able to distinguish what's mine and what's everything else so mm -hmm. that I would know what not to take on and mm -hmm. also what not to be afraid of. Mm. Beautifully said, beautifully said. And so what advice would you give to people that are newly coming to the realization that they are an empath or an intuitive and they want to further their gifts? Where do they start or begin? What would you recommend? Uh, well, I would say the most important thing, honestly, is, is keeping your energy field clear because as an empath, as an intuitive, it's super easy to be a sponge and take it all in and then you feel like crap. <laughs> You're like, why do I feel like crap? How do I make it go away? So um, the best way to do that is by taking weekly baths with some sea salt mm. in it. Or if you don't have a bathtub, just using a sea salt scrub mm. once a week, okay? Because that's like a deep energy cleanse and you'll feel like so bright and shiny after that. <laughs> you won't want to let anyone come near you. Like, <laughs> after that. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's super helpful in um, not only releasing other people's ish, but also um, it also helps you have more clarity and being able to see and feel more clearly. Mm -hmm. And in terms of those who want to learn how to work more with their gifts, um, I would say it's kind of like pick your own adventure, but, but just to be wary because there's a lot of people, like a lot of healers and like spiritualist people who are like, you know, all jazz hands, but it's, it's all because like they read one thing and now mm -hmm. they think like they're an expert, but you'll know, like, you'll know when someone's like full of it or not. Yeah. But I would say either start with a book, mm. start with a book first and then see if you feel the inclination to like seek out a mentor or a mm. teacher. Um, because the book is like the most accessible way to go where you can kind of like, you know, dip your toe in and see how you feel about things mm -hmm. and um, start with an area that you're most curious about because people are curious about different things, whether it's divination, divination or angels, spirit guides, and there's so much information out there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I would say book, probably like library where you can like... <laughs> borrow a bunch of them or like you know like ebooks or whatever and just like do yeah. a little bit of research see how you feel when you read the information mm -hmm. um when you're reading the information if it makes you feel good awesome if it makes you feel fearful mm. it's not the book for you because mm. no no book should be instilling 
fear that's kind of like um I want to say like a control tactic or something yeah it should it should have a very like um warm welcoming like a familiar feeling as you're reading it mm-hmm. where you're just like oh yeah it's like this feels right uh this makes sense mm-hmm. you know it needs to resonate if it doesn't resonate like keep it moving absolutely and that inspired me to bring up um, a question and I would love to hear your thoughts on it. I was, just ha- I was having this conversation with um, a psychologist yesterday and she is uh, clear sentient. She also was talking about how in today's industry, in wellness, spiritual development, there's a lot of people that proclaim themselves as healers or even spiritual gurus and they use that to control and use scare tactics to scare people into buying their programs or pay a lot of money to heal or find the solution to their problems and so we were talking about how there's a lot of abuse and narcissism embedded in these spiritual leaders And there's no particular name that comes up. It's just something that I both her and I have noticed. So I would love to hear your thoughts about that. Like, what are some of the telltale signs right off the bat to know, like, this is something that I must avoid? Because I know people that are starting on this spiritual journey, they're very vulnerable. They're scared. They're just coming out of the spiritual closet and they don't know where to turn to. And so what are some of the ways to kind of avoid that from the get-go yes it can be really easy and tempting to want to go towards someone who seems like they know it all especially when you're feeling like i don't know anything but in actuality you do much you do know much more um than you realize you just need to give yourself credit for it and um the telltale signs for me because this actually happened to me too when i was coming back into my path of, of embracing and accepting all of my abilities, um, the universe started sending me people. And one of the very first people that they sent me um, was this teacher. And I took, I was doing her course, like her workshops and everything she was doing, like I already knew how to do, I just forgotten. <laughs> yeah. So it was like this remembering thing that was weird. And she's yeah. just like, honestly, she's like, and, but she recognized it. She's like, you already know how to do all this. She's like, you could probably help others and the, you know, who yeah. might be struggling. And I was just like, okay. But um, <laughs> after I finished that, I was just like, well, that was a good affirmation that I already know. Mm. It's just a matter of being open to remembering and, and accepting. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I noticed with her as time passed, like she kept in touch you like mailing lists and stuff like that um was that she seemed to like put on these airs like she kept changing her name um mm. and like the name kept getting like fancier and like more mystical like her actual and, name or like the program yeah, oh, yeah okay. like her actual name so she's like i know go, i now go by the name of the lady like this so i'm like mm. okay interesting and and it's like, I would try and reach out to her in the conversational way and the way that she'd write back 
seem would seem kind of cool and like a little condescending mm. and I was just like oh you're one of those mm. <laughs> I didn't see it before because I was coming from this perspective of like I don't know I don't trust myself mm. to once I did realize I'm like oh I do know and I do trust myself oh wait like and this there's this thing of um the ones who who claim that they know they put on airs um mm. definitely ego mm. involved and um she didn't necessarily do the fear thing it was a more of like i know more than you thing which i don't think mm. is that <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's you know it's this um kind of this like putting on this front mm. of power it's mm. like power to um, have the control and if there's any if it brings up any sort of feelings um, within you going into these situations like meeting these people or interacting with their information if it makes you if it makes you feel like um, you don't know what you're talking about mm. or if it like makes you nervous scared or anxious or doubtful mm. um or if it makes you feel as though like you won't you can't have any of the answers unless you mm. work with them mm. no yeah because the thing about doing this kind of work is it's impossible i mean i'm human ego will come into it at some points but not when i'm working with people mm. ever like a part of me like that part steps out so that mm. I can be a channel and just let the information come through. And it's, it's not about ego. It's not about creating fear. It's not even about control. Uh, a good mentor, spiritual teacher will make you feel empowered, will make you mm. feel as though like, you know, this, you got this, like mm. you just remember, you know, like yes. it's more supportive. It's loving. Um, it's empathetic and they're not trying to feed you the answers. They're trying to get you <laughs> to figure it out and just kind of supporting you along the way. I love that. I love that. Thank you for sharing and being so honest with your thoughts on that. And so my next question to you is what are the common misconceptions about shamans um, or the shamanic way of life that you want to bring to light and let people be aware of. Because when people think of shamans, there's so much stigma attached to it, just like anything else. Um, so I would love to hear your perspective on that. I feel like, okay, I feel like one of the misconceptions about shamans is that it's that one definition of like a healer that like, lives off in the forest or jungle, you know, like it's that traditional definition when um, I feel like it's, it's expanded way beyond that at this point. Mm. And um, the idea that it's, it's limited to, to just healing or teaching or guidance, because honestly, living the shamanic experience, it's, it's like a lifestyle. <laughs> it's yeah. a lifestyle. Yeah. I, I don't know how else to call it because um, everything that I do 
for like my clients like I do for myself mm-hmm. and you know like the things I tell them for the self-care with the sea salt I do it for myself with the cleansing of the house like it's a lifestyle um flower essences I'm drinking some now like it just it just I love it <laughs> I love it yeah. yeah and I think that's beautiful because when you're doing your life's work and you're you know not necessarily preaching but telling other people there are different ways of living if you yourself is you're not embodying that practice um it's interesting because like earlier this week a lot of people have come to me talking about imposter syndrome and so i tell them like the things that you're sharing with the world are you doing it yourself on a day-to-day basis even on down to a micro daily task level because if there's no connection there then there's this inauthenticity that's happening, whether it's intentional or not. So I love that you brought that up because I can sense and feel you just like, just coming onto the call with you before even hearing the conversation that we're having and sharing, you're fully embodying your practice. And I so admire and respect that. So thank you for that. I find that that's some of the most important and significant things that I, I look for in, especially in the spiritual community, because it is such a vulnerable space and we're presented with a lot of people's wounds and they're coming to find that safe space. So thank you for providing that. And so with that said, to kind of go a little deeper and expand on it, if you can kind of explain it in a very elegantly simplistic way, if even possible, what is the role of a shaman and why are shamans important in helping today's society? And this might be uh, the person that might be hearing this at the moment might be hearing the term shaman for the first time. They have no idea what it is. And so what is a way to kind of help people be introduced to this concept? Okay. Um, The role of the shaman is important today, um, and I and I feel like for like much of the time to come, um, mm. what we do. At least I will all just speak for myself. What I do is I meet people where they're at, mm. and um, in meeting people where they're at, I try to find out where it is that they want to go. So my role is a guide. It's also a, um, a way shower. Like, okay, you're here. You want to get over there? <laughs> I can help you figure out how to do that. Yeah. Um, so like I help to illuminate the path mm. towards um, what it is that is wanted, whether um, whatever it is for that person's like goal or desired outcome. And I'm also a space holder for mm. trauma, for pain. And in, in a lot of ways, uh, I'm a doula in the sense of when people are about to go through like a big transition and they're having to let a lot of things go and enter like a completely new space with a completely new energy. And it's like, they're like, I can't do this by myself. Like I need someone to to like help me with that. Um, 
I'm there for that also. So in a, in a ways my, my role as shaman is, uh, is a role of shape shifter, healer, mm. guide, medium. <laughs> I love so that. I put on, yeah, I put on whatever role I need to in order to help the person get from A to B. You illuminate the pathway. I mm-hmm. love the way you said that. That was so powerful. For people that want to work with you and get in touch with you, where can they best find you? You can find me um, at my website, uh, thesoulcall.com. And they can also connect with me through my Instagram at soulcallcoaching. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Winter, for um, being a part of this. This is a beautiful conversation. Are there any closing words of wisdom that you would like to impart on our audience before we close this interview? Yes, I would like your audience, those who are listening to know that it's important to follow your curiosity and that pulling whatever pulling you're feeling at your heart at your soul it's a beckoning something is beckoning at you to come explore it and to come see what more there is in store for you Mm. beautifully said thank you so much winter thank you thank you thank you all right and then that's the end of the episode how do you feel (laughs) that was awesome I'm I'm so glad that Cassandra introduced the two of, like introduced us. Um, I'm so glad I was able to jump on this interview with you. You're such a light. It it I just feel it, and I'm so excited to share this episode with my community. So I so appreciate you for taking part in this. It's awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It was so wonderful to meet you too and to have these conversations. 